Thank you. All right, so let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Last week we began to look at the issues of Pentecostalism. And uh, we looked at tongues. And we did a whirlwind visit through what the Bible says about tongues. It's very... I have the notes here for anybody who wants them. And if you're studying this, I'm going to fill up the notes because uh, it went through pretty, pretty quickly. But there's a lot of really good stuff in there. And I think the Bible's really clear. I don't think it's... You know one of those things where sometimes you're like, you're struggling, is it, is it, is it, is it? This one's really clear. Matthew 4, 23. It says here, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness, and all manner of disease among the people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I do pray you bless our time in your word. I pray you be with those who are on their way, give them safety as they travel, but I pray for those who are also sick, you put your healing hand upon them. And I pray, God, you'd minister to our hearts. I pray you give us a conviction regarding your word. Your word is true. Your word is pure. Your word is eternal. Help us live by your word. Not the words of man, but the word of God. As we understand it within its context. And I pray, God, you teach us to trust in you more and more. And have a deeper appreciation of your word after tonight's Bible study. In your precious names. Amen. Amen. I want to say, I will not get through everything tonight. There's way too much to deal with. Tonight we're going to deal with the subject of, of healings. And I thought, okay, tongues will be the biggest one, healings will be... The, the Bible has a lot more to say about healings than it does about tongues, so we have to talk about that. So let's talk about last week very quickly, just bring everybody up to speed. So last week we began to look at the issues of Pentecostalism and considered the subject of tongues. In summary, we examined the history of the modern tongues movement. Charles Parham got the ball rolling as he taught that all those who were filled with the Holy Spirit would speak in tongues for the purpose of evangelism. God would give him that for the purpose of evangelism as we said. So on October, sorry, on January the 1st, 1901, Agnes Osmond spoke in tongues. Under that same doctrine, on April the 9th, 1906, William Seymour spoke in tongues and thus the Azusa Street Revival began. Which, was the per which is the precursor to the Pentecostal movement. That's what their history said. Interestingly enough, Charles Parham came and watched what was going on in Azusa Street and denounced it as a spiritual work of prostitution. He didn't believe it, even though it was his doctrine that they were actually following. That's the history. Then we talked about the use of modern tongues. Now, by, by the way, we talked in much greater detail about that last week. You have to look at last week's message to see that it's online. The use of modern tongues. Tongues, which according to expert linguists, are unintelligible languages, which have some basic resemblance to the mother tongue, are not limited to professing born-again Christians. Mormons, pagans, shamans, and other cults speak in a very similar, unintelligible non-human tongue. So it's not just a Christian, quote-unquote, phenomenon. Other cults and groups use it. Speaking tongues. Okay. Then we looked at the history of biblical tongues. The first mention of tongues was where? Tarabao. Okay. And the tongues were a human language and they were intelligent. People spoke them and the communication in them. That was the, the, the table of the nations. The Babel led to the table of nations where people would speak those different languages. They were divided according to their tongue, their language. And uh, the purpose of the tongue was to demonstrate God's judgment. The second mention of tongues was in Isaiah 28. The tongues again were human languages and intelligence. And the purpose again was to demonstrate God's judgment. The third mention was Pentecost. The tongues again were human languages and intelligent. Their purpose, again, was to demonstrate God's 
judgment against the Jews. That's, that's the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, that was Pentecost. The tongues were human languages and intelligent. Their purpose was to demonstrate God's judgment, and tongues were temporary, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. And the Apostle Paul considered it to be childish to hold on to temporary rather than move on to the maturity, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. We looked at last week. But while the tongues were available, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to 14 gave the rules, strict rules, for which whereby people could exercise the least of the gifts. Tongues was called the least of the gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 deals with that, and 14. Explaining that Paul would rather preach ten, thousands of times he would rather preach. It was thousands of times more important, more valuable for him to preach than to speak in tongues. Paul was very clear about that. So that's a history of biblical tongues. And then last week, finally, we talked about the reemergence of tongues. It is universally accepted that the gift of tongues ceased. People will say, well, we're not, we're non-cessationists. We don't believe that they ceased. They really did. Because on that day of their history, the history that they, that they hold to, January 1st, 1901, it was all in whites. Agnes Osmond spoke in tongues. If tongues didn't die out, that history would be absolutely useless, okay? It would mean nothing. So everybody knows they died out. Question, did they re-emerge under the teaching of Charles Parham and after the expression of Agnes Osmond and after the Azusa Street Revival phenomenon? The clear issue is that these modern tongues are vastly different to biblical tongues. Now, remind me, what's the vast difference between the modern tongues phenomenon and what happened in the Bible times? What's the biggest difference between the two of them? You could understand the Bible times. You could understand the Bible times tongues. You can't understand them. No one can interpret the modern tongues. Okay. And that's a massive difference, okay? Uh, and again, we talked about that last week and how linguists had studied uh, just vast amounts of data, and that was their conclusion. Does it matter? Does it matter? It only matters if we care about what we're saying to God. If you don't care about what you're saying to God, it doesn't matter. If you care about what you're saying to God, tongues really does matter. Now, tongues are a linchpin to the doctrine of Pentecostalism. It sits on tongues. The movement was birthed on tongues, and if we can clearly see that there are great flaws in the doctrine of tongues, we would expect to see great flaws in the other explicit doctrines of Pentecostalism. This evening, then, we're going to deal with healings. So, as we move on to healings, if, again, if you have questions on the subject of tongues, please watch the video if you've missed it. Uh, it's last week's lesson. It's on our church website. It's on YouTube. Take a look at that. Now, today, we want to talk about healings. Now, as we look through this, as I said at the beginning of this message, the Bible has much more to say about healings than it does about tongues. So I can't deal with it all in one week. I'm going to have to deal with it over two weeks. Okay. Now, today we're going to begin with talking about healings in Jesus' day. There are at least 75 mentions of healing in the New Testament. That's a lot. Now, where would you expect the vast majority of healings to, be, to occur? The Gospels. The Gospels. 55 of the 75. So way over half occurred in the Gospels. The first mention is in the scripture verse we mentioned today. Let's all go to Matthew chapter 4. Now, by the way, I have a lot of scriptures to go through. Okay? Now, I don't know if I can go through them all. There's so much. But I will mention them if you're taking notes. I encourage you to take, take. Listen, the Bible says, Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Be ready always to give a answer. To every man that asks the reason, the hope within you would meet his hand in fear. The Bible says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman did not to be ashamed. ashamed, rightly dividing the, is this Bible important to God? Yeah. 
Is what we believe about this book important to, to, to God? Is it? Yes. Is doctrine important to God? Yes. So therefore we must study it and we must be able to answer it. I don't want you to just sit back and say, okay, nice message. Well, I hope you don't say horrible message. But I don't want you to sit back and say, okay, nice message. I want you to be able to use this information so as you talk with people so you can explain things. Graciously, kindly, but that's what we want to do. So, first of all, we're going to look at healings in, in Jesus' day. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. The first mention of healings in the New Testament. Matthew 4, 23. I've read it already. Somebody read it again for me, please. And he said then, all Now, why did the Lord Jesus Christ go around to healing? The Jews required a sign. The Jews required a sign. Good. Why? To authenticate his ministry. That's the main reason why the Jews required a sign, but they had to. They really go together, don't they? But they, but they, he had to authenticate his ministry. Keep your marker there, Matthew five, go to Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four quotes Isaiah sixty-one. Luke chapter four. And I want us to take a look at this. We've seen this verse many times, but I want you to see. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. We've talked about this many times, but we haven't talked about this, this aspect of it. Luke 4, verse 18. Who wants to read that for me, please? Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Amen. So, Part of the Lord's ministry was to recover the sight of the blind and also other healings. So would you say that when Lord, the Lord Jesus went around healing people, it was part of his divine mission? That's very, very important, isn't it? So he was healing, when he went healing, it was in accordance with his divine mission. And look at, look at um, let's go back to um, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. I want someone to get Matthew 9, 35. Raise your hand, Matthew 9, 35. Okay, Brother Brendan and Jenny, can you get Matthew chapter 12, verse 22? Now, I want us to look at Matthew 4, 23. I'll have those folks read those verses in a minute. But what do you notice regarding the healing ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23? What do you see? This is really important because it helps us to understand. We've got to take the scriptures in its entirety. You with me here? So we have to understand this. So what, what, what jumps out with you regarding Matthew 20, in Matthew 20, Matthew 4, 23, with regard to his teaching, his healing ministry? What's it say? I know many of us are tired and that's fine. Let's see if we can jump in there. Matthew 4, 23, what's it say? So there's different kinds of sicknesses, aren't there? There are different kinds of sicknesses. It was every form of sickness and disease. Matthew 9, 35. Um, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease. So it's every sickness and every disease. Okay, that's really important. That was his ministry, right? Matthew 12, 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, lying and dumb, and he healed him in so much. 
touched the blind and dumb both spake and saw. Okay, so he healed the blind, he healed people unable to speak. Now, would you say that our Lord was limited in any way regarding the seriousness of people's sickness? Was he limited by this, how serious their sickness was? No, absolutely not. That's really important. Would you agree with that? Okay. He did so in his home region where he was known. John chapter 3, verse 2. Raise your hand. John 3, verse 2. Okay, Hannah. Matthew 4, 24. Matthew 4, 24. And that's Matthew, Mark 6, verse 10. Mark, sorry, Mark 3, verse 10. Alan, Mark 3, verse 10. Alan, 10. And then we'll all turn to Matthew 8, verse 5 to 7. Let's all turn there to Matthew 8, verse 5 to 7. Okay. So, when the Lord went to heal, he healed. Now, this is really important, brethren. He healed where he was known. He didn't hide. He didn't go to some obscure place where nobody ever heard of him and started healing over there. He didn't cross continents and, and, and go and start a ministry where nobody knew who he was. He began his ministry where he lived, where he was known, where he already had a reputation. Would you, would you understand that? Okay, so John chapter 3, verse 2. Do you know who was speaking? Nicodemus. So it was an interesting Nicodemus, part of the Sanhedrin. We know you are come from God because no man can do the miracles you're doing. The miracles you're doing are indisputable. You can't dispute. No, there was no argumentation over whether the Lord was healing or not. This wasn't part of the argument. It was very evident. Would you agree with that? Okay. Uh, Mark, Matthew 4.24. Do you know what's interesting, guys? They heard about his healing ministry in Syria. They heard about what he's doing in his own country back in Syria. Now, does that remind you of something? Same country, Old Testament? What's that remind you of? Somebody from Syria hearing about his healing ministry. Yeah, Naaman. Uh, yeah, Naaman. What's his name? His name was Naaman, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and he was, he was, he was the lad, right? He heard about the healing of Elisha, wasn't it? And he was from Damascus, okay? He was from Syria, okay? Same country, so they heard. But the, but the ministry was going on, to, we're talking about the ministry of Jesus, not the ministry of Elisha. We know Elisha did miracles, we know Elijah did miracles, but we're looking at the ministry of Jesus. It was, he was working in his own country, and was, his reputation was becoming worldwide. Does that make sense? Okay, Mark chapter 3, verse 10. So many were healed. And this was word of mouth now. Oh, I got healed. Did you? How happened to you? Oh, I got healed. And they were going after Jesus for healing. Okay? Now, the Lord did a lot of private healings. So let's go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 7. Matthew 8, verse 5 to 7. We're looking at the healing ministry of our Lord. Okay? Matthew 8, verse 5 to 7. Let me read those verses. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented, and Jesus said, I will come and heal him. So where was the Lord going to go? To where the servant was, sick. So put that in today's language. Say that happened in 2023. 
put it, let's give a, 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 a scenario for 2023, what, what might happen if the Lord was on earth today? You get a WhatsApp saying, come on over here. Yeah? Okay, the Lord would have a phone, he'd have a WhatsApp, right? And he'd get a WhatsApp message and say, please come where? To the hospital. To the hospital. Isn't that interesting? Or the hospital. So the Lord would have gone to hospitals and he would have gone to hospices. Why? Because that's where sick people were. You following me? This is the healing, healing ministry of the Lord. So we can, see, we can see that he's doing private healings, but also the Lord did public healings. And I find this really interesting. Look at verse 8. The Lord said, I'll come and heal in verse 7. Verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, my servant shall be healed. Verse 13. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as, as thou hast believed, so, it, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self same hour. The Lord didn't even have to be there. All he had to do was believe that the Lord Jesus could heal and immediately they were healed, as if he was there. Isn't that amazing? Okay, Matthew chapter 18, okay, pass in more scriptures. Um, Matthew 12, verse 15, raise your hand. Matthew 12, 15. Okay, um, Julie. Matthew 14, verse 14. Uh, Brother Brandon. Luke 4, verse 14. Luke and uh, Lizzie. Are you going to read that? That was so quick. I wasn't sure. Okay, okay Luke 4, verse 14. Now, I'm going to read Matthew 8, 16. We're going to hear the other verses. Matthew 8, verse 16. I want you to tell me the thread that links all these verses together. Matthew 8, verse 16. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Matthew 12, 15. Heal them all. Matthew 14, verse 14. As Jesus went forth, he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And Luke 4, verse 14. Now, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him and laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Okay, so what is the common thread between all those verses? More than one that loads. Loads of people? I'm worried about the loads of people. He healed them all. He healed every single person who came for healing. There is not one instance in the scriptures where somebody came to the Lord Jesus Christ, asked him for healing, and walked away unhealed. Not one. That's really important. Okay? Everyone who came to Jesus was healed. Aren't you glad about that? When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ with a, with a spiritual ailment, he doesn't send you away, does he? Aren't you glad about that? Or with an emotional need, he doesn't send you away. He may have you work through stuff, but he won't send you away. But back then, when the Lord Jesus Christ was on earth, people who had physical ailments were healed immediately. Okay? And every single thing, every single ailment was healed. Now, the healings then were instantaneous. Happened right away. Okay? We saw that in some of those verses. Mark chapter 5, verse 29. Mark 5, 29. Raise your hand. We've got lots of scriptures. Mary. Uh, Luke 8.47. Luke 8.47. Uh, 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 Ivy. And Luke 17 verse 15. Luke 17 verse 15. Luke 17 verse 15. Okay. Dexter. Thanks. <gasps> Dexter, you're fine. You're such a good girl. Okay. So Mark 5 verse 29. And straight away the fancy of her blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was 
to that Syrophoenician woman, or whatever she was, she was, uh, she was a Gentile, immediately healed. Luke 8.47. Healed immediately. Luke 17, verse 15. <coughs> so can you read that again? I missed that. Why did he glorify God? Because he was going to be healed or because he was healed? He was healed. So I want to share with you, brethren. Everyone who came to the Lord Jesus Christ was healed, and they were healed immediately. It wasn't like, take two pills, come back tomorrow, we'll see how you do. You know, what the doctors will do. It was, it was immediate healing, instantaneous healing. And this is a great thing. We're in Matthew chapter 12. Let's all turn there. The healing could not, and I've mentioned this already, the healing could not be denied by the, his enemies. Matthew chapter 12, we're looking here at verse 23. It says here, and that Capernaum, sorry, wrong chapter... Matthew 12, 23. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? So the Lord was getting, given the title, the Lord, the Lord was, was, was getting a reputation, and they were saying, This is the son of David. I mean, we know, that, that's, that's basically a way of saying, He's the Messiah. Is not this the Messiah? Verse 24, But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by the Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. So what are, these are his enemies. They didn't like him, they didn't believe in him, they didn't want him, but did they deny his healings? No. What did they do instead? They couldn't deny his healings. That's the whole point. The healings, the healings they were so obvious. They couldn't. Uh, he didn't have to try and prove that these healings were happening. They were happening. And so they were, these Pharisees and religious leaders were attributing to Satan because they didn't like him. Okay. The Lord's healings angered his enemies, and that's why the religious leaders turned against him. That's Matthew chapter 21, verse 14 to 15, Mark chapter 3, verse 2, Luke 6, 7. So, in summary, all of our Lord's healings were complete, instantaneous, medically undeniable. Go to the doctor, there's no way the doctors would, not, would deny it. Yes. Right, and you know what, the, the Lord is teaching in the lesson, people will sometimes use that and say not all his healings were instantaneous, but that's not, that, the Lord, do you think the Lord purposely um, did something there? Yeah. yeah. Like, for example, um, some people, the Lord told them, I go and wash your, well, that was the one, go wash your eyes in the pool. Yeah, yeah. So when he washed your eyes in the pool, it was, it was me, it, the Lord was bringing in faith in him, it was, but it was all purposeful. And when he did do it, when he, he followed through with everything he was told to do, it was instantaneous. He followed the whole thing through. I've heard people use that sometimes to say it wasn't instantaneous. But I can tell you it happened within 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour max. It wasn't a day, it wasn't two days, a week, a week. It wasn't any of those things. Because the Lord was dealing with him. The Lord didn't have to take the time to, have to invest days with people at a time. It was, I'll help you, I'll help you, I'll help you. It was constant. You know? so, it was, it was, so I would say it was pretty much instantaneous. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so these are the healings of our Lord. So in summary, they were all complete, 
instantaneous, medically undeniable, such that they cause a stir among his friends and enemies. Okay, now, what about healings during the apostolic era? When I say apostolic era, who am I talking about? The apostles. Okay, so, and let me see, Matthew 10 verse 1, raise your hand, Matthew 10 verse 1, Brother Brendan, and Mark, Matthew 9.35, Matthew 9.35, Judy, Luke 4, we'll, we'll deal with that in a minute, Matthew 10 verse 8, Matthew 10 verse 8, Matthew 10 verse 8, okay, Hannah, Luke 9 verse 6, Luke 9 verse 6, okay, Dexter, and I'll get Luke 9 verse 7 to 9, okay, Luke 9 verse 7 to 9. <clears throat> All right. So, who did the healings begin with? After the Lord was, uh, he was the healer. That was his calling. But who then, uh, in the apostolic era, era, who did the healings begin with? Twelve. The twelve. Okay. Matthew ten verse one. And he had followers unto him as twelve disciples, and gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to all manner okay so we see what they were doing the Lord has given them power to do the same things he was doing now why did the Lord give this healing power well let me back up why did the Lord express his healing power what was his purpose to authenticate his ministry to prove he was the Messiah okay Luke chapter 4 verse 18 tells us that going back to Isaiah 61 okay question why did he give that same power to his disciples, to the twelve? Same reason. Same reason, exactly. They were also authenticating his ministry, okay? They were co-laboring with the Messiah, Matthew 9, verse 35. So they were co-laboring with him in his work. They were his representatives. They were extensions of his present work. So he was right there, right then. And then he, they were extensions of his work. Does that make sense? Okay, then their work then was to replicate his work. So then if, then in that sense then they were healing every form of ailment. Matthew 10 verse 8. Now, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone, but I'm just going to come back and say it. There are loonies out there who try to raise the dead. They're loonies. Because nobody can do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, they're trying to be biblical, but they don't have any authority to do so. Do you understand? Who raised the dead in the scriptures? Jesus. Who else? The apostles. Who else? Elijah. Elisha. Very specific times in, in history, in biblical history, where God allowed miracles. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you have these people, and they have these things that they try to raise the dead, and it's just farcical. It really is. But the point is, that's not for today. And most people who, who, who believe in healings and try to do this healing stuff today, continue on with what Jesus began and was going on during his day, they sort of skip the raising the dead part of it, because they know that's not possible. Are you with me here? But the thing is, 
I want you to understand this, morning, this afternoon, or this evening, brethren, that when the Lord did healings, it was all manner. When the disciples did healings, it was all manner. Does that make sense? It was all of it. Okay, that's really important. It was every form of ailment. So like their masters, their, their, their master's healings, their healings were complete and undeniable. Did I give Luke 96 to somebody? Okay, so they, they, they preached, they, they healed every, what do we say? Healing everywhere, they healed everywhere. Okay, verse 7 to 9. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed, because it was said of some that John was risen from the dead, and some that Elias had appeared, and of others that one of the old prophets was risen again, and that would have been Elijah or Elisha, right? And Herod said, John, have I beheaded? But who is this of whom I hear such things? And the point is, this was making such an impact that pagan rulers who didn't believe in anybody or anything but themselves were commenting it and they couldn't deny it. If the newspapers were printing back then, they'd be printing what was going on because it was undeniable. They'd be trying to come up with the reasons of why it was happening, but they'd be printing it because it was undeniable. Are you with me here? You following me? Okay. So that was how effective the work was. Then let's go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 in our Bibles. So we're following this through. Luke chapter 10. So, so after the 12, to, uh, Jesus began the healing ministry to authenticate his ministry, the healing ministry to authenticate his messiahship. The 12 uh, joined with him in his healing ministry in every aspect, just like Christ, to authenticate his ministry. And now he has another group, the 70. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Verse 9. And he said to them, Heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. So what does verse 9 tell you? Why was the 70 also given the power to heal every manner of sickness, just like Jesus himself had? Why? According to verse 9. The whole purpose was Jesus the Messiah was here. What did he want Israel to do? Receive the Savior. Receive the Savior. And that was the whole purpose, dear brethren, of the miracles, was so that Israel would receive their Messiah. And that, that, so the, the miracles are very, very clear purpose, brethren. The 70 returned with great success regarding the exercise of their spiritual gifts. Gifts, look at verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. They can see the power of God. But the gospel question, was the gospel readily received? Because they had to remember. They had to be reminded. The reason why you were given these gifts was for the gospel. Okay? Look at verse 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power and all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Remember, brethren, the focus is the gospel. This is why you have this power, is the gospel. Okay, so the Lord was reminding his, his disciples of that. In the gospels, for, for the most part, 
all, I'm saying for the most part, because there is one exception, for the most part, all of the disciples' healings were complete, instantaneous, and medically undeniable. Just like all the Lord's all the Lord's healings were complete, undeniable, and medically, medically undeniable, and they were instantaneous, all the disciples were, in the same way were, were similar. There was one exception. We'll get to that probably next week, because we're, we're going to run out of time. Okay. Now, let's look at Peter, Acts chapter 3. Let's all turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 in your Bibles. So we saw in the Gospels, all the healings, bar one, by the disciples, we'll look at that next week, but all the healings were instantaneous, complete, medically undeniable. Now we're looking at Peter, we're now into the book of Acts. The Lord has, has risen again from the dead, he's received into heaven, the Holy Spirit has been sent, the healing ministry continues of the apostles. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the ninth hour for prayer, being the ninth hour. Would you love to be a fly on the wall? Would you love to be part of this? I pass by people begging all the time. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. I see people begging at petrol stations all the time, and I hate walking past beggars, so I'll always ask them if you want a cup of tea. I said to the guy, do you, do you, I, I, I said, sorry, no change. He said, yeah, we live in this age now, you know, everybody's tap, tap, tap. We're, you know, we're, we're living in a cashless society. You know, he's, we're going to this big, long conversation, you know, and I, I give him a tract, you know, and I tell him that we have to work with people in addiction and try to help people get homes and all that type of stuff. So we're talking about that a little bit, and and um, and uh, I'm trying to remember now. Oh yeah, yeah. So I said, "Do you want a cup of tea?" He says, "No, I'm grand." And he has this whole row of drinks that people have been giving him as he's going in. And I'm grand for the moment, and like I'm glad to help somebody else. But um, I'd love to have said, "Silver and gold have I none," but such as I have to be in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up. And that's a rise of the wall. And what I mean by that, in the name of Jesus Christ, you're free of all your addiction. Don't go back again. Wouldn't you love to say that? It'd be absolutely wonderful. Folks, we don't have that power. If I had that power, I promise you I'd use it. If you had that power, you'd use it too. These are the age, this is the age of the apostles. You see, apostolic doctrine was being established. This, the miracles were still going on back here. It would be absolutely amazing to see it happen again. Um, but we're not in that age, brethren. So Peter continued to heal this way. The apostles continued to heal this way. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. It says here, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest, and it goes on, verse 15. Insomuch that they brought the fourth the sick into the street and laid them in beds and couches, and at least a shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Some of them. Brother, are you catching the picture here? The sick were being laid here in the beds. Nobody was sticking any money in an offering plate. There was no music and extravaganza and a frenzy of people worshipping. There was none of this come to the stage. We're going to slay you in the spirit. There was none of that. There were people being brought into the street. And they're hoping to catch a glimmer of Peter. And even the shadow of Peter would heal them. We're not living in those days. Would you agree with that? It's not happening. It's not happening. They were looking for where Peter lived. I'm sure he was like, oh, don't tell them my address. Because this was the, this was the, these are different days, brethren. 
And they got the same, the apostles got the same response from the enemies of the Lord as Jesus did. Look at verse 17 and 18. Look what it says here. And the high priest rose up and all they that were with him, which were the sect of the Sadducees, that were, and they were filled with indignation, laid hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Why? Because they hated what they were doing. Because it was so miraculous. And they hated these people having all this power that God had given them. Paul continued to heal in this way. Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. Acts 28. Verse 89. And it came to pass that the father Publius, this is on the, the, the island of, um, I want to say Crete, it's not Crete, was it? Not Cyprus, where was it? Miletius, Malta, thank you, Malta, I just couldn't think of it, Mal Miletius, Malta, okay, okay, so uh, Acts chapter 28 verse 8, and it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and a bloody foot, so he was basically bleeding, he had this internal bleeding I suppose going on, to whom Paul entered in, prayed and laid his hands on, on him and he healed him. Verse 9, so when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed. So we see this healing ministry just continued. It just continued. And it was miraculous. And there was no exchange of money. It was just God was using these people to heal. So like with tongues, although this was a gift of, to authenticate the ministry of Jesus Christ, our Lord allowed the church to accept to exercise it temporarily. First Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the gifts. And talks about the gifts of healings. The Lord allowed that gift them, although it was used to authenticate the ministry of Jesus Christ, although Jesus Christ had died, he was buried, he rose again, the spirit was set, was left behind. The Lord allowed that gift to continue for a certain period of time. Are you with me here? Just like with tongues, he allowed it to happen. <coughs> tongues, knowledge, and prophecy are stated to be temporary gifts. First Corinthians 13, verse 8 says they're going to cease. And they did. Because they had a temporary purpose before the completion of the word. Healings are similarly categorized as temporary gifts as its purpose of authenticating the ministry of Jesus Christ as the Messiah has been fulfilled. That's what they were for. And let's uh, go and, no, I'm going to look at that next week. Furthermore, healings is not listed among the best gifts the Bible talks about. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. It says here, God had set some in, in the church apostles, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after all miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments. So it, as you go through the list, okay, healings is not at the top. It wasn't set aside as a top gift. What are the top gifts that the scriptures always emphasize? The top gifts that the scriptures always emphasize. Prophecy, which is Preaching is always preeminent in the scripture because that's what helps us. It's preaching that helps us to live the Christian life. But preaching is permanent as long as we live in this world. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where the other gifts are just sign gifts. Yes? I'm asking a quick question. Um, a lot of these healings are coincided with casting of devils. Do you have that Okay, now that's a different question. And, and it's, I, I've heard varied responses on that. All I can say is um, the Bible says that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, once you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the devil has no place there. 
And then now, but, but listen, the Bible doesn't talk about demon possession, it talks about being demonized, okay? Do you know, do you know, daimon, I can't even remember, I can't remember exactly the, the, the word anymore. Um, but the, the thing is, um, people can be oppressed and people can be influenced by demons. But once you ask Jesus Christ to be your personal savior, then you have, who is, has the authority over you? Once you ask Jesus Christ to be your savior. Jesus. Then you have to claim his authority. And once you claim the authority of Jesus Christ, then you have victory over all those demons. Does that make sense? Yeah. Supposing somebody came to you who was demon possessed and said, well, would you be able to say the name of Jesus Christ? <laughs> I haven't talked to somebody who knows more about that, who deals with that. I, mean, I, know, yeah. I know people in missionaries in, in certain countries, in certain countries, missionaries have to deal with that. I would, I would have to deal It happens. I am sad it happens. It happens that somebody is possessed and they need to have something But I do know, and I, I, I'm with you, because you can get so oppressed and so demonized that you lose all consciousness. I mean, unbelievers can. And so when they lose unconsciousness, then they, they can't function for themselves. That's when you need people who are filled with the Spirit of God, claiming the authority of God. I've heard CDs on this, I've heard sermons on this. Uh, I don't have any experience in this, so I want to talk with people who have and talk with them. They talk me through what to do. So that's all I can say, I don't have experience. But in principle, yes, you can. Any more questions on the healings? Now, all we've talked about is the healings of Jesus and the healings of the apostles. Does that make sense? Can you see how it was every single time, every ailment by Jesus and his apostles, and it was complete? Did you get that? Yeah. So once we understand that, then we can we can move then from the clear then to the unclear, because there are unclear things. The rule of scripture is you begin what's clear, and you move down to the unclear, and you and you also see what what was revealed in scripture at the beginning, and you follow through. So we've seen some other things. Okay, any more questions? Are we okay? We'll talk about the rest next week. Okay.